Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, A Journey of Spiritual Transformation. I am, as always, your host, Amy Gray Cunningham. And I want to thank you today for joining me for this fabulous, wonderful episode. I have the pleasure of speaking with the most amazing spiritual coach and medium. Her name is Isabeau Maxwell, and she has helped so many people connect to their authentic, natural, intuitive abilities over the last 15 years. And how exactly did she come about these intuitive abilities? Well, (laughs) Isabeau Maxwell is a skeptic. She is a science and math geek. Heck, she even graduated from college with a math degree. So she's very, very linear in her thinking and the way she processes things. But one afternoon, (laughs) she's in her living room and her grandmother shows up. And she had just learned that her grandmother had passed just recently. As you can imagine, it was definitely a shocking moment for this very linear science geek. (laughs) Isabel really thought that she was losing her mind at this point, but she decided to kind of take the bull by the horns and go take a chance on this. And she decided to explore her abilities even further. And she started this search for this unquenchable thirst to know everything there was to know about the spirit world. And what she found out is that everyone, you, me, everyone has spirit guides and that everyone can communicate with those guides and also with their loved ones on the other side. And in this episode, Isabeau and I discuss the what, the why, and the how of connecting with those on the other side. So please join me in just a few minutes. But before we talk with Isabeau, I wanted to let you know that this Sunday we have another episode that will drop. And I'm talking with the Miss Debbie Freeman, who is a motivational speaker who suffered physical and sexual abuse as a child, but she was still determined, no matter what happened to her in her life, to make her dreams a reality. She reminds us that she is a real person that had lost everything. She lost, most importantly, her self-confidence through a very painful divorce with an addict, and she ended up gaining 100 pounds. But through self-love and determination, Debbie found herself again, her inner self, her authentic self. She was able to lose the 100 pounds, and get this, ladies, she went on to become the United States of America Miss Nevada in 2021 at the age of 51. I just get chills. Every time I say that, I get chills. So please join me this Sunday, the 7th at 9 a.m. for this most inspiring conversation with Miss Debbie Freeman. And I also want to remind you that we are, that I am offering mini Akashic Record readings for a special rate of $90 through the end of August. So go on over to amygraycunningham.com forward slash soul realignment and schedule your mini Akashic Record reading today. And also please don't forget to subscribe on Apple or whatever app that you listen to Butterfly Kisses on and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And all the links are provided in the show notes for you as as well. And also another way that you won't miss a new episode when it's available is to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. And you can do that at either amygraycunningham.com or butterflykissespodcast.com. So now let me introduce you to the fabulous, the wonderful, the inspiring Isabeau Maxwell. And remember, everyone, make sure you spread your gorgeous wings and fly, my friends. Hello, Isabeau. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I was so excited to join you in this. 
This is awesome. I'm so glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get started in talking with people on the other side? (laughs) Well, here's why I'm so excited to be sitting here with you today. We have so much in common and it just felt like we were magnetically you know, connected. We know, you know, how the connections all work spiritually, but it was really, it was really neat to have that land in front of me and say, Hey, this is, you have to talk to her. And I was like, yes, (laughs) but I, like you, my first interaction with, with a spirit was my grandmother. And for me personally, I was 32 years old. I was in my early thirties. I was at that point, a complete skeptic. I wouldn't say I was an like an active skeptic. I just had nothing to do with any of it. There was no religion, no spirituality in my life. It was business, 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 science. I have a math degree from college. You know, it just one plus one had to equal to it had to be solid and in front of my face. So fast forward to 32, <laughs> my grandmother passed away and she was halfway across the country when she did. I unfortunately couldn't afford to be there at the moment, but I hung up the phone from the hospital. They had called me so I could at least be present that way. And my husband took the kids and said, I'm going to run to the grocery store. I was like, thank you very much. And I was standing in my living room trying to decide, do I fall apart or do I book airline tickets? And she showed up and it, I'll be honest, it frightened me. My first reaction was to sort of you know, I remember jumping backwards and trying to grab onto things thinking, okay, this is not okay. Cause she was about 70% solid and she was standing there. She turned and she winked at me and then she just disappeared. And I remember thinking I've lost my mind. This is grief. And it was frightening for me because the only experiences I really had had that I was, you know, completely conscious of in my lifetime was horror movies or ghost movies, you know? So my reaction was as if I was watching a film. The very next morning, my husband said, I had this really, really realistic dream about your grandmother. She was wearing this blue short sleeve shirt, buttoned down, and he described her as she had showed up to me the day before. So I thought, well, maybe I need to explore this, insert a little bit of not wanting to lose her as well. And I started exploring. I did the yes and no questions, worked with the goosebumps and communication. A few months later, I was able to start to see her again and hear her. And then it just really expanded from there. That's crazy. I mean, that's how I felt. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I felt like I was, you know, losing my mind and my kids were younger and now Mind you, it's difficult to go from complete skeptic, none of this is real, to now playing with it as if it might be. That was really difficult for me. So I remember, I don't even remember how many months in, but it was a number of months in, I finally said to her, I need help. I need help. I didn't have any spiritual communities and you know, I didn't have any support. And I remember saying to my grandmother, I need you to help me to really figure out if this is real or not, because if this is grief, I'm raising two small children. I need to get some help and process through this. Now, mind you, my grandmother was, was my mom. I mean, that's, you know, the, the easiest way to explain that level of connection. And she brought the proof and that it, she brought it so strongly all within a matter of a few hours. I did yes and no questions with her intuitively 
for 20 minutes and the, the answer was your mom was going to have a financial issue. She was going to call you for help, but that somebody else would end up helping her. I thought, okay, that's a detailed enough message that if it doesn't come true, I can go get some help. <laughs> and shortly after I'm running errands and my mom calls and she said, Hey, I've got this financial issue. Now this was years ago when we had to, you know, go to banks. She said, I have this financial issue. I need you to go to your bank, get out X amount of cash, bring it to mine and deposit it. And then we'll get that back in your bank, like in a couple of days. I said, okay, I went to my bank, got some cash. I was driving to her bank and I was writing this off because my mom was an accountant. She had a lot of financial things that she did. This was not completely unusual that she would need money moved for different situations. And I pulled into the bank and I was really writing it off when she called me before I went into her bank. She called me again and said, hey, don't worry about it. A friend of mine already took care of it. I don't need you to do this. And I went, huh? Now, mind you, the messages and the event all happened the same day. And I just couldn't turn back from that. That was enough for me. And I've, I've believed ever since. Do you think having a mathematical background, a very linear background has helped you with this type of now life? Absolutely. Absolutely. I did what I only know to do, which is the second that tipping point happened. And I said, I'm in, I went in to learn. I'm going to learn everything I can possibly learn about this because I need to understand how something works. That's the mathematical background. That's the one plus one needs to equal two. I need to understand how all this works. I honor and deeply respect somebody who's walking a spiritual path in complete faith. But for me, that was my comfort zone. As a result of that, I met my first spiritual guide. He was my teaching guide. And for two years, he taught me how it all works. He got me to open up my intuition, my intuitive channel. He showed me that everyone can do this, that it's not for any special few, that everyone's intuitive channel is strong. It's simply blocked. And then he showed me how to unblock, how to move forward. And I'm kind of that person now that stands beside you and says, if I can do it, you can because this was not a spiritual upbringing. This was not a calling. It, it, this was just a situation happened. I dove in to understand it at its core. And by doing that, I understood how to open the intuitive channel and that everyone can. So how does it mathematically, logically, linearly work? <laughs> Magically, logically, linearly work. <laughs> Love this. Every, well, it's, it is, it's a, it's a quantity issue and it's a quantity of clutter. Every piece of emotional, mental, environmental relationship clutter that you have blocks that intuitive channel. It's why people who go through a very pure diet for a period of time will see their intuition open. It's why somebody who completely declutters their home or steps into minimalism starts to have a side effect of their intuition working more strongly. Those people I've run into over the years, and I'm fascinated to talk to them because they didn't do it for intuition. They just did it. And as a result, now all of a sudden their intuition's working. They don't, you know, and so 
Bell Express, yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, but it's a matter of reducing the amount of clutter that you have in order to be able to access that channel openly. And it's also a matter of disconnecting from this agreed upon reality and being able to let the molecules, there's the science side that comes into it for me, let the molecules sort of get into the background and focus on the space in between those molecules. That's where we're looking for everything. That's the spiritual, that's source. So that's where everything we're trying to see exists. That's interesting. So everyone and anyone can do this. Everyone and anyone, everyone and anyone been teaching now for about 14 years. I would say about 14 years. My guide took everything I learned in those two years. And then after the fact, asked me to put it together, to bring it to other people and say, here's the formula, walk through the formula. And I've been doing teaching that for, for 13, 14 years, I think, <laughs> trying oh. to date, go backwards and date. And it's been, <laughs> it's been amazing. I've watched so many people say, I, wow, you know, and then they can, they can access things that they didn't think that they were ever going to access before. And it, it just makes me so happy because we all have a direct connection and anytime I can help somebody to have a stronger direct connection, instead of needing to rely on another source, that makes my day. What are the benefits to connecting to the other side? The benefits of connecting to the other side. Well, there's the benefit of connecting to source, which is more of a way of saying psychic information, understanding, should I sell the home? Should, you know, how is this relationship? Where am I at with this situation? That's helpful. Cause that'll give you a little bit of guidance on how to handle things that you're processing through. Could be choosing a realtor, could be deciding what day to go out on a first date. I mean, those types of things can help because they help you stay in alignment with your path. Connecting to the other side, I find is even more helpful because they have an overview you don't have. So really good information that comes from the other side is information that gets you to oh, stop and think, oh, I didn't think about that. Now that I think about that, I can see this in a different perspective and it's going to go smoother or it's going to, you know, create something bigger or better. It's that kind of guidance that is, that's valuable. And it's that kind of guidance that is organic and natural thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It isn't until recently that this concept that you can't communicate with your ancestors has come into play. So spirit guides, you had said you were talking about your guide. Does everybody have a guide? Does everybody have spirit guides? Everyone has spirit guides. Everyone has spirit guides. I didn't even know what they were when I met mine. <laughs> <laughs> I was so new to, to all of this. I remember after my grandmother showed up, I, I literally went to a Tai Chi instructor that I knew. And I remember saying to him, you're the strangest person I know. Can you help me? But that's, <laughs> that is how limited I was in my environment. And he is one of the kindest, warmest, wonderful souls. He was the one that showed me pendulum work, how to get yes and no answers. He got me started, but I just, you, you just have to connect with people that are going to support you. I totally just sidetracked myself right there. <laughs> Completely forgot what you asked me. <laughs> Does everybody have spirit guides and how can you connect to your spirit guides? 
Absolutely. So my first guide came through, helped me understand about spirit guides and explained it as such that everyone has spirit guides. You have a different number of guides depending on where you're at in life. So it's not a solid number. It's not everyone has one or everyone has two. It's a matter of what guidance do you need at the time? You may get an additional guide for a while while you walk through college or while you walk through a divorce or something like this, but everyone has them and the guides can change over time. For me, the number one tool I tell, okay, well, there's two. Okay. I have to give two. (laughs) So the two things that I tell people that are most powerful when it comes to guide communication is commitment checking in every single day and also defocusing. So starting with commitment, your guides are your team. They're working for you. They've got their eye on the situation. They see what's coming up. They're trying to make sure to guide you the right way so you can achieve what you wanted to achieve when you came down here. So when people reach out to guides and say, what's my kid going to do when he grows up? Should I buy a new house? You know, because these are natural. I did it too. I was like, oh, I have this inside source. I want all my answers. The guides really don't want to stop doing what they're doing in order to, you know, do that kind of psychic fair with you sort of thing. They really want to get you from A to B. So when you step in with commitment, with the intent of being a part of the team, with my absolute favorite question, ask them this question. What is it that you want me to know? When you do that, you're saying to your guides, I'm here on board with the team. You tell me what you need me to know. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to work with you instead of stopping you to get some answers I want. That kind of commitment gets you into the flow of your team. The defocusing is kind of what I was saying earlier, that your guides, your, your team is in between the molecules. They're not in the solid. So if you can defocus you know, like those old paintings. Do you remember those paintings? They were really big, like in the eighties where there were a bunch of dots. And if you defocus, you could see something. Mm -hmm. That kind of a defocus is, is your intent of saying, I'm not going to focus on the material world. I'm going to focus on source. And when you do that, you open up all of your senses to be able to interact with source and thus with your guides. I love that analogy. I was actually just looking at one of those, those pictures just the other day, as a matter of fact, and trying to see like the numbers behind the picture or whatever, you know, it was like a three, six, nine or something. And I can see it immediately, but yep. uh, you know, my sister's like, I can't see it. (laughs) I'm like, it's right there. Why can't you see it? It's, it's so, it's so easy to see it's right there. But so how do you know that it's actually your spirit guide talking to you or another spirit actually talking to you and not your own subconscious or your own imagination making it up. There is definitely a push and a pull. There's definitely a surprise and a creation. So Mm -hmm. imagination and intuition, unfortunately flow through the same kind of avenues (laughs) Mm -hmm. and everyone listening is going to be like, yep, I've asked myself the question. Did I make that up? It's a really common thing. There is a subtle difference between imagination and intuition, and it takes time and it takes patience to start to feel the difference. The difference is very much a push or a pull. When you sit down and you start thinking about your next career path, and then all of a sudden you get an image of something 
there's a really good chance that that's imagination. But if you're just walking through the grocery store and an image of a company pops into your head and you weren't focused on that and it's a pull. So when we're pushing, it's a lot easier for our imagination to get involved. When we're sitting and receiving and allowing the pull to happen, it's, it's much more in that intuitive state. Also, when things pop in, that's a big one, especially when we're talking to people on the other side, you know, it's, it's not us starting the conversation as much as it is them just saying, this is what you need to hear right now. And when we allow those to come in and just say, I'm open, tell me what, I love that question. Tell me what I need to know. Then that's when most of the intuitive information is going to flow as you know. Yeah, that is so cool. So what about people who really want to communicate, say with their, their loved one who's, who's, who's crossed or who's passed, but they can't, or they, they haven't been able to connect. Why can't they connect? And they so desperately want to, they want to hear from their mom or their dad or their, their, their husband or wife, but they're just not, they, they don't, they don't hear. There's really one of two reasons that I've seen over the years, either they're in what I call a grief bubble or there's fear. Now, both of these things, sometimes I'll have someone say, no, 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 I'm, I'm not grieving and I'm not scared, but they're still not showing up. We really have to go deep. We have to go in and, and say, okay, okay, what am I scared of something? I'm going to be open to the possibility that I might have a fear. Let's just really go in and explore that. Or maybe it's possible that there is more grieving to be done because everyone grieves differently. And the grief bubble itself, honestly, it's one of those things that I wish I could actually take away from a person because my heart, you know, goes out to someone that's lost someone. But sometimes we get kind of put into this grief bubble where we have to process through a certain level of grief before we can connect with that loved one, because it would be more detrimental to our spiritual path to connect with a loved one without the healing happening first. I don't like that. I wish it wasn't the case, but it makes sense. Meaning if your guides, if source, if the people on the other side know that your loved one when, if they were to connect with you right away, that you would never move forward again, that you would never live your life to its fullest again, they're not going to let that happen for your highest good, even though that's all your heart wants. So sometimes it's hard and it's difficult, but they do hold you in a space to allow you to grieve before connecting with you again. But I tell people as a medium, especially as a professional medium, I did readings for years. They're right there. They will, it's not, they don't go anywhere. They don't leave. They're right by your side, but the communication piece might not open up until some healing is done. And that can be hard. Why can't we see them? Well, (laughs) seeing is fascinating. So I, (laughs) not only do I train people, I would say about 95% of the people that take the, the intuitive training course are doing it for personal reasons, but there's a small percentage of them that go out into the public to bring their abilities into their professional work. And those are the students that I work with one-on-one that I learn a lot about, you know, the different clairs people can call them like seeing, feeling, hearing, et cetera, et cetera. And the seeing one 
has always made me giggle because people are seeing, they just don't think they are. And they'll say, oh, I, I feel like, well, I don't know how I know, I just know. Or, you know, <laughs> but training these students one-on-one, -on -one, I will catch them in the act of going, well, okay, I see a truck and it just drove down the road. It's a white truck. And I'll say, well, did you see anything? And they say, no, I didn't see anything. And it's like, but I have you on record saying I saw a truck. And then when you do that and you open up to it, the student stops and looks again and says, I can see. Now, all of this is because I think people have a stereotype on what seeing looks like. I think that people have a stereotype that say, okay, if I do see something intuitively, it's going to look like this. Mm -hmm. And when we can let go of that and realize that seeing with your third eye, completely different than seeing with your human eyes, that's when it starts to open up and they go, oh, I can see. I, and the majority of people with open intuitive channels and accessing that, they are seeing, they're just not able to recognize it because it doesn't match the expectation that they think when they hear another medium say, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at that, I see this, I see that. They, they make totally natural assumptions on what that experience is like. And then when their experience doesn't match it, they aren't able to consciously connect to the fact that they're seeing. Now you just said third eye. Can you explain what a third eye is? The third eye is looking at that space in between the molecules. Your two eyes are gonna look at the solid. Your third eye is gonna look at the space in between. So, oh, a great way to explain this. Almost everyone I've ever met has seen something out of the corner of their eye. And then they've turned to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. The reason they saw something out of the corner of their eye, which was most likely spiritual, we always check in with the doctors to eliminate that stuff, but most likely it was spiritual. Mm -hmm. And they saw it out of the corner of their eye because that's where we're defocused. Our peripheral is not focused. So we turn our eyes and we focus in on the table, the chair, the door. You're looking for something in the room. That's why you can't see what you just saw in your defocused state. So the third eye is really relaxing mm -hmm. and letting it show up either, you know, some people see it inside their minds and some people see it outside, it's different for everybody. Allowing that to just form and allowing it to be okay that it's forming in a space of an unfocused presence. That's amazing. So let me ask you this question. Where is heaven? Where is heaven? I love that. So I'm going to preface this by saying I don't align with any particular religion. Mm -hmm. I was Methodist, good old Minnesotan Methodist. And I did all the classes you do as a kid. And then that was about it. So for me, I don't align with any one particular religion. When I got into this, I had the question, what's hell? What's, what's, what's heaven? What is it? What is it? And over and over and over what I experienced and the answers that I received are it's here and it's there. It's earth and it's this, it's this side and the other side. That's it. There's not multiple locations. There is one location, which is the other side, which is source. From that source, people experience other locations, earth, other planets, things like this, but there's here and then there's there. So 
hell and heaven is more of a state of mind. And honestly, what I've seen hell to be as a psychological experience of unlimited manifesting through the crossing over process, if the crossing over process is done with fear. So I have yet to see a location. I have yet to see anything, you know, demonic. And I am the first person to say, I will not say it does not exist simply because I haven't seen it yet. That's the science in me, I guess, but that's been my experience here, there through the transition can be difficult. And that sometimes can be a hell-like experience. So what happens when, when a soul crosses or crosses over into the afterworld? Into the afterworld? Yeah. Well, I love hearing the stories of people with near-death experiences. I don't love that they had them because there's usually, you know, a, a bad situation around it. But it's a beautiful example of when you hear somebody talk about the light and the pull, it's very much like that. The transition process is automatic. I call it a people mover, you know, and it's just an automatic pull toward the other side, a releasing of linear time, you could say. But in essence, when we're here, we have three bodies. We have the physical body, the programming body, and the spiritual body. Spiritual body is, is your spirit. Physical body, we know what that is. The programming body is the human mind on linear time. It's who you are in this lifetime. So when somebody passes, they only release one of the bodies, which is the physical body. The moment they release from that, they go through the in-between in this crossing over process with the other two bodies, the spiritual body and the programming body, meaning people who are in the in-between are the exact same person they were on earth, they just don't have the body. It's not until they cross over to the other side that they let go of the programming body, which is in essence wired for linear time. And when they do that, they then go back to that overall point of view. Now, what's fascinating is the in-between can be a very psychological experience for people. And when we try to manifest here in a physical body, the only thing blocking our manifesting is literally our physical body. You know, and it's a physical body links us into this timeline. So that's what, that's what stops us from being able to manifest anything in the in-between. It's possible to manifest any experience really. And if somebody has fear of going to hell, fear of, you know, what's going to happen, any kind of fear. I've met moms in the in-between who really kind of dug their heels in to stop crossing over because they didn't want to leave until their kids graduated. They were like, I'm not, I'm going to be there. And I'm like, well, okay, we can still be there. (laughs) If you cross over, you can still be there. But she had a fear that if she crossed over, she would never be able to connect with her kids again. So the fear can be a, a simple loving fear as well, but fear is what stops somebody from moving through. And then that fear can kind of vibrate out and sort of manifest their reality in the in between. So is there loved ones that meet people in the in-between to help them cross over? Absolutely. Absolutely. I explain the in-between is like a fence that surrounds the playground as a kid. So you're a kid, you're in the playground. That's symbolic of you here on earth. The fence is the in-between and our loved ones are outside of that fence. So while they can't come into earth, into the playground to grab your hand and pull you over to the other side, they can meet you at the gate. So what happens, you were saying that you were raised Methodist and I was raised Episcopalian and there's others who've been, you know, there's others raised Catholic and, and I know that talking about the afterlife 
is very taboo. I have family where when I talk about my husband, still very present in my life and talking with me now and helping me with the podcast. And they're like, Ooh, you know, they, he's just laying in the ground and he's waiting for Jesus to come back and take us, take him away. I don't personally believe that, but I do have family that, that does. How do you reconcile that with them or with people who don't necessarily believe what you believe and how do you help them or do you help them understand? That's a great question. I think because of my experience opening up, I think I have an unconditional loving respect for everyone where they're at. When I opened up intuitively, I didn't sign up for it. <laughs> didn't have somebody just, you know, say, Hey, what do you think about if you experienced this? <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Mm -mm. So I experienced really a shaking of my core, a shaking of my security. I went from one day to the next. I knew that if I locked the doors in my apartment, no one could come in the very next day. Now I'm faced with the reality that something could be in here. So there's a security blanket that comes with being skeptical or that comes with following a certain path. And I believe that that security blanket needs to be honored because if it's not, that person is not going to live their authentic path and what they're supposed to be doing. They're not, their life is not going to unfold the way that they've asked for it to unfold. And, and it could be just as positive following a religious path as it could be following a non-religious path. You know, there's very powerful people out there. And I mean, powerful in, in powerful love sense. Mm -hmm. So I think that trying to change minds is interfering in paths and it's also, you know, pulling at someone's security blanket. And I don't think a lot of people realize that it's pulling at someone's security blanket. And just to be really direct, who are we to pull off someone else's security blanket? You know, if they mm -hmm. want to take it off one day, they will, and they'll have an experience that'll invite them to take that off and say, okay, this is where I'm going to go over here all the way around the block on this one, we have our own security blankets now as well. It's that connection. That's what helps guide us. And we look toward it. And, you know, so I think it's, I think it's more a matter of looking at everyone playing their role and loving them for playing their role very well. Everybody's perfectly perfect right where they're at. Exactly. Everyone's perfectly perfect. Even that one person, you know, that person. And you're just like, seriously, just don't, don't talk. Just like, don't say these things to people. Don't be hateful. You know, we have all of those feelings, but, but the bottom line is you witness hate and you bring more love into the world as a result of it. So it's all, it's all part of the role. Yes, it is. Well, you also, you work with people on opening their intuition and you actually started a program called the SAGE method. Can you tell us a little bit about the SAGE method and what, what you do? Yes, that's, that's my heart work. It really is because it's so exciting to watch someone gain access and so much freedom to understanding their spiritual path. It's really, it's really fun. But that course is what my guide said put together what you and I have done in the first two years here, put this together and bring this out to people. 
have them walk through this. And that's what I did. I, I gathered a bunch of clients to start with and said, I don't know how this is going to go, but we're going to do it. It's seven weeks. Let's try this. And in essence, it's, it's the formula that he walked me through. It's the formula of understanding how this works, really evaluating personal programming, recognizing your soul on a deep level, and then having guide connection and communication. And then finally figuring out how your intuitive channel uniquely works for you. And I've been teaching that for years now, and it it's now global, which is kind of neat. And we have students all over, all over the world, which is really fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, just to add to what we were just talking about, I have students from all walks of life, from all paths. And the course itself is built very distinctively not aligning with any one particular path. It's a very human-based course. It's a very personalized course for each person instead of saying, well, this is how you do it. And step one, step two, step three, step four. Instead, it's a matter of organically uncovering what's already there within you. So anybody who is interested in opening their intuition or possibly connecting with their spirit guides or with source or with spirit of any kind can take this program and learn to connect. Oh yeah. Like I said earlier, if I can do it, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they literally, they took a science-based stubborn skeptic Taurus and said, let's see what we can do. (laughs) I love it. So I'm the poster child. So I love it. Well, where can people find you? The website is the easiest place to land. It's thesagemethod.com. Thesagemethod.com. All right. I'm going to have that in the show notes as well. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with today? I've absolutely loved this conversation and I could probably go on for another couple of hours. So (laughs) I feel like we could talk forever. Absolutely. I would say whatever version of self-care you can start immediately, do so. People that are drawn to their internal connection to spirituality tend to be extremely compassionate and loving individuals and sometimes give a lot out. And I would say find a way to start also giving to yourself. That's beautiful. Well, my last question is, if you have an hour to sit and chat with someone, whether that person be on this side of the veil or the other side of the veil, who would it be and what would you talk about? It would be someone on the other side. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) There's such a good feeling to connect with somebody over there, because when you connect with people on the other side, you actually also can connect with it's as if you can feel that love source that, that connects everything, all of us. And so it's, it's a very wonderful way to spend an hour is connecting with somebody on the other side. If I could connect with anyone on the other side, yeah. Wouldn't that be great if you could just call in, be like, Hey, I want to talk to so-and-so who would I talk to? Uh-huh. That's great. I don't think anyone's ever asked me this question. Okay. I'm I'm just going to lay my Minnesota cards on the table here and say Prince. That would be a cool one. Yeah. Prince. I was very much, I I witnessed him very much as an artist and I have some, I would have some questions around 
that I was very much into to his work as art. I love it. I have one other question that keeps popping up into my head. So I, I need to ask this one. Is it possible to literally walk in both worlds? Is it possible? It is. Well, it's possible, but there has to be a particular scenario around it because of the physical body and because uh, and how we're linked into our physical body going over to the other side is only possible in a limited situation for someone living. So people who suffer from dementia, Alzheimer's, things like this, their wiring shifts. And as a result, they do experience a little bit of the other side and a little bit of here. And it's kind of a back and forth that they can experience. That's one scenario. Really deep trance state is possible, but overall fully experiencing the other side while fully experiencing this side is I don't see as a possibility. What about people who are in comas? That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Because really to be completely on the other side, you have to be completely disconnected from linear time. Let's put it that way. So things that invite you to disconnect from linear time, open up a possibility for you to experience what it's like on the other side. I personally have only had one experience on the other side. I did a past life regression, which was technically a life between life regression. Mm -hmm. And that is the only time that I've actually experienced what it was like to be there. But that's because I was in such a trance state that I was able to let go of that physical connection to linear time. So I think that that would be a good way to summarize it. People that lose, um, when you lose time, I mean, we could even throw in there, let's say there is an artist who's doing their artwork seven hours goes by and they feel like it's been 20 minutes. That could be a moment where they could experience the essence of the other side. But really that's our, that's our chain to our ankle is that linear time. And if we can get, if we can step out of that, then we can step into that space. That's interesting. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Butterfly Kisses. This has been such a fun conversation. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I couldn't, I just, I couldn't wait to talk to you because like I said, the similarities are just so beautiful. Yes. And I'm also a Taurus too. <laughs> See, <laughs> and you know, our grandmothers are like sitting down, hanging out today. Oh, I'm sure that they also were, had a hand in setting this up. They were like, absolutely. Yes. Let's, let's get these two together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Bo, thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us today. And uh, I may have you back again. If you're, I would love that. I would love that. Thank you for this. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you, and remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.